0: Master Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bowhunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's episode is super exciting. Today we've got Jake and Samantha on the podcast who are our first guests that have reached out to us through the contact form. They just got back from a trip to Hawaii, so we're going to go through a few questions they had and a few other special bonus moments.
1: Hey, Baxter. Hey, Josh. I thought Jake, Samantha, I thought one of you were going to jump in and try to catch that intro. <laughs> That's how
2: we started our
3: emails.
1: Yeah, it yeah, hey, it was. Hey, Baxter. Hey,
3: Josh.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time to to reach out to us, first of all, also for listening and then for hopping on today.
3: Yeah. yeah Thank you so much
1: yeah so you guys uh just got back from hawaii you said you were there from last friday till this friday so a full week of hunting huh
2: yeah yeah it was a lot of fun a couple days of travel um about four solid days of hunting
1: gotcha uh and then it was
2: kind of like a crash course in in bow hunting over there
1: oh yeah i can't wait to dig into it and then uh real quick just for our listeners to get like a a picture of who you are um Could you describe like where you're at, where you're from, like what you do for work, where you guys are located and uh, maybe Jake, if you can go, you can go first.
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, I'm born and raised in California. I pretty standard childhood played baseball all growing up through college and graduated, got a job in the Bay area. And, um, I'm currently working as a project manager in the Bay area.
1: Cool. And then Samantha?
3: Um, Yeah, I grew up in the East Bay. um, Similar, you guys are out of the Bay Area too, as I heard. Um, And I work in healthcare and none of my family or friends really hunt. And so Jake kind of started getting into it. He was really into the idea of getting fresh meat. And I know there's tons of stereotypes with hunting. And I kind of like looked at hunting in that native light too, like a lot of others, but I started learning a lot more about it. And, um, so now I'm getting into it and I've been following you guys and trying to get into it.
0: Very That's cool. So cool. Josh so cool. and I were talking about this, we, like met the world you guys reached out and cause we both thought, Hey, there's a lot of similarities there. Both of us didn't really hunt till we were older. We you know, both lived in the Bay um at different points it's really like it's such a cool uh, matching of backgrounds so I'm right
3: and the diy style caught yeah. eye for sure public land yeah
0: so what like when did you first you know hear about hunting like what what even got you started was it just something you saw or heard
3: jake so, um, has some relatives. Yeah. go ahead jake go ahead Sam. jake has okay. a couple uncles that go for it you can go <laughs> Yeah. So he has a couple of relatives that hunt. Um, And so he kind of got a rifle and then he's like, never been a huge gun guy. And I was like, man, yeah, I'm not a huge gun person either, but I'm not opposed to it. Um, And so he got a pig a couple of years ago with that and then COVID hit. So it was tough to go out last year, dry, California, tons of wildfires. It's tough to get out. Um, And then he kept teaching me more about it. We listened to more and more podcasts about it. And I just love the idea about getting fresh meat yourself. And, um, it's kind of hard to get, you don't know where your meat's coming from these days. So I like that idea behind it. And so, yeah.
1: Then Jake, how about you initially with your uncles? What was it that, that drew you into it? Were they, did they give you an invite or how did that pig hunting story happen?
2: So it's funny because my uncles weren't the ones that got me into it. I knew that I had a couple uncles that hunted, but, um, I actually do jujitsu and a guy that I do jujitsu with, um, his father-in-law has property in like Northern California. And I just asked him, I was, I was just kind of interested in the idea of it. And I just asked him, I didn't have a gun or anything at the time. Um, if I could tag along just and go with him. so. I went with him, um, just kind of drove around on the ATV in the hills of Northern California and really, really liked it. Just like the idea of like the camaraderie of it and then just getting your, your own meat. So um, after that, I ended up getting a rifle and I talked to my uncles about like which rifle to, to get. And then they started to um, realize I was kind of getting involved in, in hunting. So um, then they started to kind of provide some sort of guidance. Um, but initially it was, it was just like through jujitsu that I got involved in hunting. And then, um, like Sam said, I got a rifle and then another buddy, I went to his property, um, and ended up getting a pig. And that was about the time I first uh, met Sam. Mm -hmm. So lucky enough to be able to share some of that meat with, uh, Sam and her family. And then Sam started to get a little more interested in it. And we started listening to a lot of podcasts and things like that. then we started, you know, like getting into courses, like e-scouting with Google Earth and Onyx and all this stuff. And we're planning big things for deer hunting in California. And we spent a lot of weekends and even like a backpacking trip. And we didn't see a single animal the whole time. Wow. um, We saw some does actually, but not a buck.
0: That sounds man, like California God. hunting sometimes. <laughs>
2: exactly. In the yeah. 103 degree heat. It's
0: like, oh man. Yeah. It's um, such a cool opportunity to hunt deer there. We'll have to talk about that later.
2: Right. Right. So then, yeah, we got, once COVID hit, we, uh, I was going to get a bow and, uh, the idea was just to like extend the hunting season, right. To be able to hunt for another month in California. And worst case, it's just like a scouting trip, you know, with a bow in your hand. Um, and then we went to the bow shop and Sam ended up buying a bow as well. And and we've just been practicing a bunch and this trip to, uh, the undisclosed place in Hawaii was kind of the gift to our ourselves on, um, like all the work we put in over COVID to get better at, at archery. So, um, yeah. And we heard there's a ton of opportunity
3: there to learn. So versus California, you might not see a a a buck that's illegal for a while, and then you have that one opportunity Mm -hmm. all season versus a a bunch of opportunities there.
1: Yeah, totally. Were, Were you guys into the outdoors before you started like pursuing all this DIY hunting stuff, or is this are you taking on both like outdoorsmanship, backpacking, camping, along with learning about hunting?
2: Sam definitely has. I, I haven't. So maybe she can expand on her, her background, but I pretty much knew nothing. Like, I don't know how to tie like any knots or anything. I've been doing a (laughs) lot of research on like how to hang your food, how to, you know, do this, how to do that. So Sam's definitely been the, uh, been the backbone of the, the, like backpacking trips and things like that.
3: Yeah. I grew up camping and doing a handful of backpacking trips, but I've always loved the outdoors. Um so I guess that's what I can bring to the table. He knew a little bit about hunting, and I knew a little bit about backpacking um but I've also noticed how backpacking for hunting is still a little bit different um mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah, especially with all the gear but that's yeah. a that's a really cool uh combination though yeah it's 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 cool that you got that head start already with outdoors and and camping and whatnot um and then, uh, Sam, was this your first, um, hunting trip then in Hawaii?
3: Yeah. Wow. Both, neither of us have, well, this is my, both of our first bow hunting trip gotcha. and it was all mm. do it DIY. Like we didn't hire anyone or anything to mm-hmm. show us. So,
2: but yeah. we took a, uh, a trip together last year during deer season in California, where we. Um, like took Thursday, Friday off work and we spent like three days backpacking, um,
3: right. And that in was right.
2: Right. But that was like our first like big
3: trip. Okay. Was, yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Gotcha. And then, um, yeah, so we're, I'm super eager to dig into how was, uh, Hawaii give us the, uh, day by day a little bit and some of the challenges and, and stories along the way.
2: Sam, do you want to, you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Go for it um so yeah we uh we got there um and the advice we got like before we went was like baxter said there's there's going to be a lot of different like types of terrain in each spot so um just kind of go everywhere and and our goal was to just go in and get like the most experience that we could right that was the idea behind the trip and so we we wanted to you know visit pretty much every spot if we could. And um, the advice that we got was to kind of sit for a few days and like pattern their movements and try and get in front of them, you know, like understand how they're moving Mm -hmm. in the landscape. But we were like kids in a candy store. Like every time we saw one, (laughs) we were like, oh, there's one, let's go get it. You know. So like um, the first few days we were spooking a lot of deer, Um, but it was, it was a lot of fun and um, the first good opportunity we have, we had, um, was Sam, do you want to start? Um, Cause she was yeah, one who so, initiated. it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So we were walking on one of those, uh, dirt, uh, cars drive up and down the dirt road and we were walking along that and, you know, they just crossed them. So we saw a deer cross and a nice buck in front of us. And so he just kind of, he didn't, he just moseyed across And we're like, oh, I don't even think he saw us. Let's let's try to follow in, follow him a little bit. So I went in. Um, Jake stayed out. And then at some point I was like, okay, I have no idea like which direction he went. Um, and then I I then left the area and came back out to the road. And then I see Jake starts going back in. And I was like, oh, maybe he saw it. So then I just let him do his thing and I stay out by the road. And then of course, two more bucks get spooked while I'm just sitting there, not even looking. (laughs) and um and then jake's for another half hour 40 minutes in there um right so like all the antlers and go for it
2: yeah so when sam went in i had like tried to like run up the hill to like get a better vantage point so i could like spot the deer for her um Mm -hmm. and i couldn't see anything and i saw her walking out so i just decided to walk back walk in like up higher and uh i saw the tips of the antlers like sticking out of the grass and I ranged at 95 yards. And like I said, I was just like, so excited. And I was just like, the wind was perfect. And, uh, you know, I just started walking in super slow. And like Sam said, it probably took like 40 minutes. Um, and the lesson I learned out of this one was I probably should have taken the time to mark where I thought that deer was like on my you know phone or our Onyx or whatever. Um, but instead I just kind of like went in and then all of a sudden, like all the bushes kind of blend together, right? You're not like a hundred percent sure. Like, is that the bush I saw him next to, is that the bush? And, uh, I ended up turning the corner and just made eye contact with the buck like <laughs> 10 yards away and wow. it just popped up and ran away. It's like, wow. shoot, you know? Um, yeah. but that I think gave us confidence that we could get close,
1: you know? Nice. Yeah do you remember Seven. what sorry sorry i was just gonna say do you remember what thought went through your head as soon as like you because i know that feeling all too well but um do you remember what you were thinking when you made eye contact with that buck
2: i honestly initially i just thought like what like what because the whole time <laughs> i was stalking in i was like man i really wish i would have marked like where the general area where i thought this this deer mm-hmm. was you know because i like I knew it, but I was had to take kind of like an indirect route. So like the whole time I'm stalking in on him, I'm like kicking myself like, man, I should have marked, I should have marked a spot. And uh then I turned the corner and then I, he ran away. And it was it was a big deer, like the biggest deer I've seen in person, you know. Wow. And uh I remember just kicking myself like, man, like next time I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make that mistake. I'm gonna mark it,
1: you know? <laughs> well, you must've been stalking pretty quietly to be able to get that close. So kudos to you for that. That's like part of the skill, right? Learning how to spot right. stalk and get close. Um, yeah,
2: as the, as the trip went on, um, we got like a lot of experience walking very slow through like very sticky kind of bushes, mm-hmm. um, like trying not to break sticks and And my general rule was to like, take a maximum of eight steps at a time. And it was normally five steps and uh, then stop and look around. So it took a long time to walk, but yeah, I feel like we, we had a decent system developing for, for that.
0: Nice. And did you guys, I mean, I remember we were talking beforehand. I was like, Hey, this stuff's so different. And each of those little units in there, you are got a different field. Did you kind of say over time that this is what we like to do this stock style. And I know some areas you can glass, there's some areas you probably just want to, you know, just sit still and ambush. Like were you, I mean, it sounds like you guys did pretty well with that right off the bat. Was that kind of your favorite style of hunting by the end?
2: By far for me, at least.
3: Definitely. I love that people are telling us about all these, like, Oh, you should head down there. There's a bunch of tree stands. Like people just leave them there. You can just hop in them in. And I was just like, I can't sit still down. there.
1: <laughs> I feel the same way. So, um, you really enjoyed the spot and stock. Any other interesting encounters or challenges, um, after the first few days?
2: Yeah. So, uh, there was another spot in stock where we got really close. And, and again, I think I, learn something from this and but i was hoping maybe baxter could could chime in on some other things that we could uh do when planning a stock because we saw some deer run into this bush and uh this was towards the end of the day and sam and i didn't have a car for the first like three days and we walked about 50 miles and uh (laughs) sam was was pretty tired and she's the one who, who saw him so I gave her first dibs and she was like, I don't want to go over there. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm going to try it. So um, I tried it and uh, I marked the, the bush on on Onyx this time. Um, but as I was sneaking in, it sounds so silly saying it out loud, but like my mindset was to get as close to that bush as possible. Mm. And I was walking along the, the you know game trail that these deer create um, through the kind of thick bushes, but there were like bigger bushes that had like substantial cover that I could have like sat behind and and waited for the deer to get Mm up. Um, but for whatever reason I was, you know, honed in on getting closer to this bush and I'm like crawling on my hands and knees, I'm looking and there's like kind of a thick wall of a brush behind this bush. And, um, I can't see if it's the deer. I can't see if it's deer. And then all of a sudden I hear that bark that we have grown to hate and uh like four deer just run out of this bush and i'm like thinking to myself like man next time i should probably not only mark like where the deer are but maybe mark like the bush that i think i can sneak to with cover that i can take the shot from because it was like i ended up getting like 20 yards away from this bush and it's like okay, stop you're close enough you know
0: yeah (laughs) no that's uh that's such a good example. Cause we actually great story. When my wife and I were there, we were, we saw deer go into a bush. And we did the same thing. We started walking down the trail and we got right next to the bush. And as you guys know, it's so thick, you can't really even see in them. And so I thought I could see into it. No, they're not there. We walked up right next to it. And I kid you not a small deer nutmeg me, you know, like ran literally between my legs. Um, <laughs> and she shot into the ground, like five inches in front of my right foot. Yeah. <laughs> So we definitely had this, like, what just happened moment. Um, but yeah, I think I everything mean, I from elk hunting and a lot of other things I've learned that like, there's, it's such a hard balance with hunting like to figure out when to go hard and when to you go soft. I guess with axis deer, you can't ever really do the elk thing where you run at them because they're a little, you know, any little thing they freak out versus elk, you can get away with a bit more, but I feel like it's a good parallel to an elk being on its bed, right. Where, um, I, if I can get to a spot, like I'd mentally just try to get to a spot where I'm comfortable shooting. So if you're like, Hey, 40 yards is a slam dunk for me or 30 yards or whatever it is. Um, just try to get there and be downwind. And then I'm like, Hey, now I got to wait. Uh, cause I don't, I've never found a method, whether it's making a noise or throwing a rock or doing any sort of thing that gets them to move that doesn't spook them or put them on such a high alert, especially axis deer. Where they, they tweak out when you shoot. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're spot on, which is like fine. You know, whenever you see them and you know where they are, it takes a lot of mental confidence to be like, no, I know they're there, even though I can't see them and just getting to a, like the best point vantage point that's within your, your range and just saying, I'm just going to have patience. Like I'm just going to hang out here. Uh,
2: right.
0: you know, cause it's, who knows, it could have been an hour and a half till they got up. Right. That's it's, uh, it's right. a hard one.
2: It's, it was so, the thing that I, I learned was that it was so easy to just start doubting yourself because everything looks yeah. so different when oh, yeah. you're like in the thick of it. So it's like, man, I, I don't see him. Maybe it's a bush in front of it. Like, And then it's like, oh, well, there they go. Yeah. I find something
0: that's super helpful with that, especially elk cunning too, where you've got like these very uniform trees is I find something really weird. Um, and it takes like a minute or two, which also feels really hard to do when you want to start stalking or moving. But you can find like the one tree that's got a bent limb to the right or, uh, you know, the two bushes that are like touching each other or you know one just one feature, even if it's far away from where you're going. And if you can then always use that one thing for like your relationship, you know, another one I've learned from surfing surprisingly, like when you're surfing, you're out there and the water's pulling you left or right. And I always line up two objects. So you know, might have like, if you're in San Francisco, you're lining up Sutro tower and uh, a a uh, house on the beach. And that's kind of my way of you know, triangulating where I'm at. So that's another good one too, is you can say like there's a peak behind that and then the bush is in front of it and kind of line those two things up. But yeah, it's, it's always easier said than done. I mean, that's just straight up hard, especially somewhere like that where everything's green. Gotcha.
1: gotcha. Yeah. What, what would you guys say was the most uh, challenging part? And then the, yeah like the highs and lows of hunting I, I I know it can be a bit of a roller coaster what was like the most challenging part and then what was like the most fun or rewarding part of the trip
2: i think sam had the closest like our closest opportunity of actually successfully getting one.
1: Oh yeah um,
3: yeah i'll so keep maybe... this one short but yeah it leads us into a question that i had as well um so i got pretty close to one um it was a nice buck and then it was eating and you could just hear it eating it started getting closer and at some point like I just walked up this hill and I was like, oh shoot, one's right there and it's eating. So started to slow, like crawl in a little bit. And then at one point he was like looking right in my direction. I was like, he's definitely busting me right now. Um, but right before, then he starts grazing again. And then I was like, man, I got to draw, but I lasered a tree that was right in front. So I was like, okay, it must be right around there. And at one point I was, I drew and he was facing me looking right in my direction, didn't run. So I was like, do they see me or not? Because it was like kind of flat where we were. Um, Maybe I was just a hair lower, like on a low point of that little slope. So like, I was so confused. Like, should I just stand up and, you know, like range and shoot or like, I had no idea what to do. 'Cause like those things are pretty they run right when they see you typically, yeah. right? So yeah, I yeah. didn't know what to do.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's um yeah, it's always funny too with them. They're such like a unique animal in that in that way. I think uh, and this is one Josh and I kind of worked through last fall. It's like once you've got your your action plan, I think you just go for it. Um because you kinda there's a lot of situations with that, like with animals. So you just have to make the shot happen, um, which often comes off as like, Ooh, take a marginal shot. That's definitely not what I mean, but more, more if you're like, Hey, if this is, you know, I got lucky, he's there or I snuck up and I'm in the right spot and you're like, Hey, well, I know the yardage and the, the bit, like you maybe just draw, you know, kneeling or whatever, and then stand straight up and, you know, shoot from there, that point. Um, yeah.
3: I drew kneeling. So I was like, Yeah. Okay,
0: ready. Yeah. Totally. Cause they're in the Axis deer too, they're pretty thin skinned, so you could definitely go go front. Cause even if you miss the little, you know, the thoracic cavity, you could uh, you could definitely get your know, Josh the one he shot went through both shoulder blades, right? It was quite a impressive shot. So yeah, I would say I'd say just go for it. And um they it, you the scariest thing for me in hunting like early on was with when i was close to animals is that when they look at you it feels like they're looking into your soul or something yeah <laughs> like, you're just like oh he sees me he knows exactly what i am oh he's gonna run and uh oh i've had had a few elk and a few axis deer that literally looked like straight at me and then we just went right back to feeding and i think it's the combo of like camo and not moving and they just don't there's some things, like some spidey sense goes off, but they look up and it just doesn't register and they're like, cool. Um, so having that confidence, oh man, I don't I don't have an easy answer for that. That just takes experience, which you guys both have, which is awesome now, right? But just uh the patience to be like, okay, now is the right moment. Um, yeah, that's just a learned skill. It's a hard one.
3: Yeah, I see that in videos too, where like the elks are just staring right at you and they don't do anything. And I'm like, do they see you or not?
0: <laughs> yeah. No, if you're not, if you don't move, they can't. Oh, and it's okay. like, uh, it's like Jurassic park, right? The, uh, cervids. So cervids have this eye that's completely different than ours. Ours is like a, a 120 degree field of vision. And theirs is like almost 180, like half a circle basically. And they've got it on both sides of their head. So it's like almost, I think it's like 320. I can't remember this off the top of my head, but they can basically see really, really, really stinking wide, um, versus us who are in all predators are very, very narrow, And we have a ton of cones and rods in the middle of our eyes. So we're really good at focusing on one little thing versus theirs are very dispersed. So long, long story short, their eyes are unbelievably good at picking up motion uh, versus ours are unbelievably good at picking up detail. So it gets you, it really trips you out because you think they've got the same ability to like focus on something and look at it versus everything might be, I think they say deer elk have like 2040 versus we'll have 2020 if we're you know, corrected. Um, And so it's really hard because you're like, oh, that thing can see me, but in reality, um, it's just looking for motion, right? Or an outline. Outline's the biggest thing.
3: Um, Wow, that makes a
0: lot. Sounds like you did did pretty much the right thing, but it's. uh, I think that's like gotta say it now too. Like kudos to you guys for doing such an awesome hunt, like such a difficult hunt. Like on, I'd say that's at least an eight out of ten on the the difficulty scale. And like sounds like you got super close early on, which is a huge win but like learning that stuff then it's so priceless because you know an elk you're not going to see nearly as many if you go to something like that or you know deer in california right but if you get your one opportunity your odds are so much higher now
1: after you've dealt with that right
3: right, right. yeah
1: how did it feel sam to, to draw back on an animal for the first time
3: Oh my gosh. I, at first I couldn't even like draw because I was in a weird sitting position. Mm -hmm. And then like the adrenaline, you would think it would be such an easy pullback with the adrenaline. Um, and then eventually I got to draw. And then once I was at full draw, I was like, okay, I could hold this. So I think Jake was trying to take a video, um, of me doing that. But, and he was saying that I was at full draw for a pretty long time, which was, it felt like no problem, but I was at full draw not facing the animal. I was like about 30 degrees off um just because of the way i was sitting and then um the deer was staring at me so i didn't want to move wow and then i don't know what he ended up doing it's a blur now at this point
1: yeah that's so intense (laughs) but yeah
3: that was like the fastest my heart had ever been pumping i was so nervous (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's so cool i mean everybody makes this big deal out of getting shooting animals and that's definitely the culmination of hunting that's like why we do it but like that moment is so uh, amazing it's so priceless you know even if you don't connect like that's such a crazy yeah experience. Yeah. yeah, i was I, just
3: happy to be there and like i didn't even never think i could actually stock in on an animal like semi-decently being so new so that was cool like i wasn't like i don't have any regrets not shooting or anything i just thought that whole process right there was pretty fun and intense but one step closer i guess
2: she came back she had like dirt all over her face because it was like hot and she was sweaty it looked it was awesome (laughs)
0: hands (laughs) are shaking everything's like yeah exactly
1: (laughs) so cool that's awesome yeah sam i hope you see that as a huge win because i mean i went hunting for my first hunting trip for like basically 30 days and I didn't even get to draw my boat once. And so to be able to do that in your first few days hunting, that is I, I think a huge win. Uh and, and hopefully a big confidence builder as well. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. In terms of yeah. prep, or actually is there anything else from Hawaii that we should touch on or any other questions you had from the trip? I was
2: gonna say I think your initial question was like what are the highs and lows of mm-hmm. the trip. So um yeah I think that was a high for, for Sam. But then I actually was able to shoot an arrow a deer. Um, and like the, the high of that was basically I, I, we were like still hunting through this, um, kind of like area where there's long grass and like big bushes, like scattered periodically. And, uh, I was kind of sneaking along this like wall of bushes and kind of peeking through, um, the openings to see if I could see a deer that was in the open. And I finally found a doe. And um, she was like 85 yards and I initially saw her, and then I just kind of like as she was walking and got behind a bush, I would creep up a couple bushes to try and get in front of her. And I finally got in front of her, and I ranged one bush. It was like 52 yards, and then I ranged another bush that was 38 yards. And I was like, okay, she's going to walk right in between these two bushes. It's going to be like a 45-yard shot. And I'm like getting mentally prepared, you know, and then. Um, she ended up not going that way ended up turning back around and going back like in the other direction. And she was stopped like completely broadside head down at 60 yards. And like, I was thinking to myself, like, man, I, like I, we shoot at the range. Like I've shot at 60 yards on my butt and I'm like pretty confident with my groups, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, Like if it was like 58 yards, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have felt confident, but like just settling my pin at 60 uh, and there was no wind at all. And, uh, I was like, man, I think I can, I think I can make a shot here. So, um, I ranged it three times and she just wasn't moving. I ranged it three different times. and said 60 every time. So, um, yeah, initially I thought the no wind was good. I was like, I can make a really accurate shot with no wind. (laughs) And then I, uh, I drew back. Felt like a really good shot. And uh, I think just the no wind, that deer, I, no kidding, was probably like two <laughs> body lengths away by the time the arrow got there. Like oh, 0% man. chance.
0: That makes you so, laugh so hard because I've done that exact same thing there like three times. <laughs> it's so brutal. <laughs> it probably was a perfect shot, but it doesn't matter, right? It's like deer's gone. Right.
2: So the question I had um, for Baxter um, in this, like for this scenario was like, for other species like elk does the lack of wind affect your like um shooting distance like would you shoot at a 60 yard shot if there's no wind because you think it's better likely that they're going to jump the string or
0: or what's your strategy there that's a good question i'll hit it in two parts one like wanted to point out like awesome you're already thinking about like your shot distance and like your range and all that stuff and i I totally agree with you which is everyone wants to say like what's your range and uh, you can give them a number but you made a really good point which is hey it was dead on 60 I felt good and there was no wind right and so maybe there might be a 42 yard shot where you're like or 43 and you're like that's a little weird on my pins and the wind's off and something it's like I really I've, anyway want to congr- like say kudos for going through that mental process of like hey this is good for me and that's awesome you're doing that um already but fortunately for I mean I, I mainly hunt western stuff I've done one or two whitetail trips so I'm not going to you claim I can give you a clear answer there, but as far as Western animals, like, no, you don't have to worry about that. Um, Axis deer are just utterly, insanely twitchy. Um, they're going to be gone. You know, whitetails can be a little jumpy sometimes, but uh, elk and mule deer, in my experience, no, they're not going to be able to move in time if they hear the bow. The thing I, I will say about that, though, is like the most important thing with those species, the elk and the mule deer, is that you know, do they know you're there or are they alerted? So like, if you had one like that at 60 yards, which had head down and was like happily feeding, I would go 99% chance. It's not going to move out of the way. Um, Now, if you had one that knew you were there and it was a little twitchy and was kind of like tensed. Yeah. Now you can, you know, now it's like 50, 60% odds. You're going to get it. So, so it's just more about their alertness than that. But now normally not something you'd have to worry about. Um, fortunately it's just those axis deer. So stinking hard. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Um, and then the, the low of our trip, um, I think like, I think the biggest, like we learned a lot from this trip, but I think the biggest thing this trip exposed was how underprepared we are to field dress animals ourselves
1: Mm. and,
2: um, like handle the meat. So I guess the question, it could be, I guess for both of you, depending on how you word it, but like Baxter, how do you recommend like newer people get experience with that? And then Josh, like what helped you like understand that process? Cause it sounded like listening to your guys' other podcasts that Josh, you broke an animal down yourself completely. Um, so that's, that's awesome. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Josh, you, you want to hit that one since you've, I mean, you've got the recent experience there.
1: Yeah. Um, so hmm, for me, I was lucky because I, I I did a coal hunt, like a guided coal hunt on a a ranch, and so these guys they just needed to. It, it was like I, I don't know a biologist surveyed their land or whatever and was like, yeah, you need to get rid of like this many does, this many bucks this fall, and so it, it was on the cheaper side of the guided. Uh, hunting world. And so I did that hunt as my very first hunt um rifle. And it was just super easy. It was pretty anticlimactic. Like they just they kind of just show up at a hundred yards and you you just shoot it with a rifle. But this the lesson was getting to learn how to break down those deer. Um so that's how I learned. I, I kinda got lucky that way. Um Baxter, how did you do it? Because you went on your first elk trip and you hadn't broke down any animals and you had to do your first one your Yourself right in the dark, yeah. YouTube, baby, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Um, so I, I shot a deer with a rifle and I'd seen someone gut one before. Um, which is like that's one of the hardest things I'd say for mentorship with hunting. That's probably the thing that scares people the most is like, I don't know how to do this, and will I ruin the meat and yada yada yada. Um, but I'd say like my experience, like a lot of new hunters, when you see it done the first time you realize there's not much you can do to like, quote unquote, screw it up. Like there's a lot you can do to make it much more difficult for yourself and like nasty, but you can't really like quote unquote ruin the animal. So like, I would just say, feel confidence in that. Like, don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, for the elk, you know, for the elk, it's a totally different, not totally, but you, with an axis to your would gut it probably. Right. Cause it's such a small animal. Um, which is a different way of doing things. But for an elk or or a mule deer, I'm probably going to do the gutless method, uh, which Josh and I talked about a little bit, but basically you just cut off the legs and the pieces of meat you want from the outside. You never get into the guts, which is really cool too, because it's just clean, right? It's very easy. Um, But I would say just, you know, go to YouTube, look up gutless mouth, gutless method elk, because it's a big animal. It'll be easier to see. I know Elk 101 did one. I know Born and Raised did one. I know a bunch of guys have done those videos. Um, and they're really, really good. It's it's, uh, it's a lot easier than you'd think. And if you watch it, if you watch one of those like two or three times and maybe just like write a few notes on your phone or something, you'll be more more than set. And it's just kind of like, hey, yeah, go around, go around the legs and then like take the skin off on the side, then like take off the back leg, take off the front leg and get the back straps and you're good to go. Um, so yeah, it's, it's more in your head, I'd say than anything else. Like you'd, you'd be able to do it. I'm sure.
1: Got yeah. To commit. Yeah. Jake, yeah. did you get to do it with the pig at all?
2: Uh, we did. Um, but you know, I was, I was more the guy that was just like holding it open mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, and, yeah. and <laughs> I didn't really get the, uh, the breakdown cause, um, we were with this guy's, uh, like whole family and it was getting dark and. Um, it really just wasn't a good, like setting to like, Mm. you know, take your time and explain stuff. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, I, have seen it done, um,
1: but not in, in like described to me, you know, in in detail. So, gotcha. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, gutless method on YouTube elk, you'll have some good stuff, but similar to that pig, like when you watch them make the cuts, I would almost describe it like, if I'm wearing a shirt, like making a cut through the shirt and like slowly peeling it off as the skin. Um, and it's, it's probably similar to that pig, like how the skin looks and how the meat will look under. Um, but yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised my first time, um, dressing and and quartering a animal that like, I thought it was going to be like super bloody and like this huge mess. But as soon as you peel back that fur, it just looks like meat at the grocery store underneath. It's kind of kind of an odd feeling um so yeah after you watch a few videos you'll get probably get a little more comfortable with it um but yeah in terms of prep how about like the gear side archery fitness like which one which pieces of the prep were you really comfortable with uh, for both of you and which ones did you feel like you had some more outstanding questions on
2: um for me i think the big appeal for hawaii was that you don't need a bunch of fancy gear. Um, Mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry about ticks. You don't have to worry about snakes. You don't have to worry about anything. You just got to go and try Mm -hmm. and stalk in on some deer. Right. So like that made it very, uh, appealing. Like we don't have to buy, you know, a bunch of like a big, like tent or whatever that's like super durable and things like that, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, so gear wise, I felt, I felt very comfortable. Um, Fitness-wise, uh, we both try to to stay in in good shape year round. And like I said, we didn't have a car the first um, yeah, three days. Yeah. And like they have a sh- sign up sheet, like you have to sign in and sign out every morning, and you have to write your license plate in. And Sam and I were the <laughs> only people without a license plate. You know, we were yeah. we were putting in miles on, yeah. on our feet. So fitness-wise, um, felt felt pretty good. Um, yeah. What are, what are some other categories? Sorry, I forgot the other categories. No,
1: no worries. How about archery? Like art, the actual like bow setup, tuning, all that stuff, arrows. How comfortable are you guys with both the skill of archery and then just all the gear side of, of, of archery? Sam, do you
3: want to I felt that Yeah, I felt pretty good about all of it. Um, leading up to the trip, I did have some hiccups. I, I dry fired a few times Have and I think that's because I got a range finder. And I was really trying to get in the habit of, you know, knocking an arrow, then range or sorry. Yeah. Knocking an arrow, then ranging. But sometimes I just get so excited when I'm shooting my bow that (laughs) I just range and then click in and then fire without an arrow. Um, So that really never came up because I wrote arrow on my hand and. (laughs) Um, Jake was always knocking an arrow as he was stalking in. Cause we learned that from your podcast that I think it was Josh he, and elk came up real close and he didn't even have an arrow knocked. Right. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, but oh. we learned from that. <laughs> um, so we're like, man, always have an arrow knocked. Mm-hmm. So I, but I, yeah, I felt really good with my, with my setup, um, nice. and fitness wise felt pretty solid and Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I was going to say, well, first, thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> <Sorry about> that. <laughs> hey Josh, it's good
0: that your mistakes are helping others. I know I was, I was
1: exactly just going to say that's <laughs> so cool to hear. And it's just so trippy to hear that. Like people actually get to learn like the lesson from my mistakes. It's just like, it's just super cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the art, like gear wise, I mean, Baxter is like the gear guy. I've never met anyone who like, has done as much research (laughs) as baxter on the gear side so especially any of those questions if there's like a sleeping pad or like a something that was finicky on the trip um that now would be a good time for that too was there anything like that on the trip where gear failed or just wasn't ideal
2: your guys's website is super helpful we we visit that a lot when we're trying to make decisions on on what to get so nice um yeah
3: i literally told jake we gotta go on that website as like our checklist for things yeah. for this trip.
2: <laughs> that's it's all super I mean. rewarding when we already bought something and then you look on Baxter's <laughs> website. And he chose the same thing, you're like, yes, yeah. validation.
3: <laughs> oh, actually speaking of his website and gear, I bought the KDC tripod.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, felt, and I'm it was, was a little thing.
3: finicky at first, but I was yeah. like, oh, that's how you do it. Like and yeah, yeah. So there's definitely a learning cool.
0: curve with that thing, but like once you get it down, it's for parabinos. I don't, I don't think there's anything better on the market. I mean, it's really pretty cool, especially super if you're light. like you said, you're hiking all over the place. Um, I mean, into your Jake, what you're saying earlier too, like, you know, I think I, I, do obsess about the gear and I get super excited about it. Um, but definitely don't let that be the thing that'll stop you from like going on an elk or a mule deer hunt. Like, you know, Josh can attest to this. A lot of the other guys he hunted with you know, all of them just day hunt. Um, and it's really the, the trend in hunting right now is like back is everything and backpacking is really cool and, um, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's a lot harder to do day hunting. I think you have to get up earlier. You have to get in there before it gets super light and all this stuff, but, but like you can totally do, do a, uh, fall mule deer elk hunting trip and have, you know, just as good odds success if you do it right um, without buying in all the backpacking gear and all that sort of stuff too. So, yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we get, I get so into it and so analytical about it that I make it sound like it's you know, what you got to do, but, uh, yeah, just, just wanted to say that.
2: Yeah. Gotcha. You, you mentioned it a few times on your podcast. I think you've made it pretty clear that the reason you backpack in is because you're lazy and you like to yeah, wake up next exactly. to the elk. Yeah. Yep
0: totally and i i mean i do think it helps because you're not blowing them out and you're not doing xyz but um and it's tough i mean if you're from california or the east coast or somewhere where you're not like you know, doing seven eight nine thousand feet every day um that that acclimation is pretty rough too so being able to hike in and just sit there is pretty nice um for sure but yeah that's so cool i'm still uh that's still amazing you guys just went out and did the trip that's um that's just a lot to go for it, and we were. I was telling Josh too. I was like, "These guys are really good at research," because I didn't say you know where I went or what where to go, and then they were, you know, they definitely figured that out. So I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like they really know their yeah. stuff when it comes to the research side. So anyway, I'm feeling pretty confident. If you could do something else, you'll you'll nail that piece.
2: <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah, just connected. I, yeah, connected a few dots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's out there. I mean, that's the thing we want to do. With this is never hotspot anything because like the discovery process is half the fun. Right. And like that research for me, at least. And
2: like, honestly, that was one of yeah. the coolest things about doing the the Hawaii trip was like, initially it just seems like the logistics would be a nightmare, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but we would call people and, and ask, um, for information and like, they would talk to us for like 45 minutes, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. People are just so nice. And, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just, just want to make sure that you have a good time. And it was a really cool experience to, to, you know, um, yeah, experience their culture over there.
0: Dude, that's so, that's so awesome. And good on you guys. And like, I don't, you think there's a temptation too, to be like, Oh, that's Hawaii. And I do think Hawaii is like disproportionately amazing for hunters and a really cool place. But I think the other thing you're probably not realizing is if you guys are prepared and it's, you're clearly doing your research and you're like, you know, you're honest and you're just like straightforward, that goes so far. Like you can call, if you call a biologist for an elk unit, this is a great tip for you guys, but anyone else listening too, and you you say, hey, where should I hunt? That person gets that call like 50 times a day. And it's like, uh, these two unit, like basins, like good luck. Like and he sends 300 other people there, right? Yeah. But if you call and you're like, hey, I'm super excited to do this. I'm relatively new. Like I'm good at this. I'm not good at that. I looked at these three or four places on the, the map. I did my research, you know, I've got pointed questions they oh at okay, 8,000 or 9,000 feet this time of year. And like, is, you know, blank based in better than, you know, why meadow or, you know, and you do, you kind of have that level of engagement with them um, and show a lot of respect and appreciation for what they're doing. You'd be blown away. I mean, people will give you so much um, like the hunting community is amazing. Like that people are so down to earth and friendly. So so anyway, I think, uh, you're probably under underrating a little bit, the research you guys did like that. Uh, if you do it the right way, it'll go miles everywhere. Right
2: on. Okay.
1: And, uh, thank you. Yeah. There. Yeah. I'm super impressed with like Jake, you shine arrow, Sam, you drew back like on your first trip, DIY all the way on Hawaii. It's, it's so much effort. Um, you mentioned one bit of a story before we started recording, um, that i I, I thought was pretty neat about a guy that you guys ran into on the road would you mind sharing that story i thought that was pretty cool about the locals
2: yeah um it kind of just relates perfectly into what what baxter was just talking about i didn't know if we wanted to go in too deep on it but um yeah uh yeah exactly exactly what baxter was talking about we were walking back um from our it's probably like mile 48 of our three-day uh hike um And, uh, this guy stopped us and, uh, he just said, he saw us walking, um, along the side of the highway and kind of wanted to get to know our story. And we just told him like, we're really new, um, to hunting and we just like wanted to come just get some opportunities and, um, yeah, we're just excited about it kind of thing. And, uh, he said that he, um, he told us this later, but, um, he said that he looked at the weather forecast. Um, and he knew that the wind, it was going to be like no wind. And if there was wind, it was going to be pretty shifty. So he knew that the conditions while we were there, were going to be tough for hunting. So he gave me his number and said, Hey, if you guys, um, have trouble, like getting an animal, just text me and I'll make sure you go home with some meat. And, um, yeah, just like blows my mind. This, this family guy, um, told us to come over at like 10 o'clock. Had, that night that night had two deer on his um porch like hung up and everything kind of showed us how to um you know clean them and everything and uh stayed up with us till one o'clock and then he was like I have work the next day um but I'll text you guys after I get off work and we'll come back and we'll debone all the meat and we'll get it all packaged for you guys to ship back. No um, way so, so cool. Wow. Yeah so we ended up shipping back two boxes, those fish fish boxes full of full of meat and uh, hey. yeah, yeah. I just have I just have no words. Like it was so amazing to uh that, that random guy just for whatever reason took the responsibility of, to make sure that we went home with some meat and had a good time. You know? Wow.
1: So cool. It's incredible. Have you have you tried any of it yet?
2: Uh we barbecued some ribs the other night and he he had told us like um the ribs are gonna be tough. Like mm-hmm. it's gonna be a tough one to to prepare and um I think we didn't um boil them long enough they were pretty uh pretty tough but not gamey at all like
0: wow yeah
2: at all yeah
0: yeah that
1: meat is unbelievable you're in for a treat that's so cool right. dang that's awesome Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah b- before we talk about what's next for you guys and and the future of your journey um do you guys have any other general questions for Baxter um about really anything hunting related
3: Um, I just wanted to point, say thank you to Baxter for his tip on the bow cases. We actually got those bow cases too. I was just thinking about other gear things that he had recommended um, in his off-season opportunities, and uh, it worked out really well.
0: Nice to save on the baggage fees by taping them together.
3: (laughs) We didn't, so we didn't tape them together, but we did get that exact bow case. But we did tape on our boxes.
2: Nice. So cool. We had the fish boxes from a previous, uh, fishing trip. Um, so we reuse those fish boxes and taped them to our boatcases. So. Oh, nice. nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, baggage handlers hate me, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that panned <laughs> <found> out. <laughs>
2: well, yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think you guys, we came in with some questions, um, but we've kind of addressed them along, along the way. So um, awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so cool.
1: Real so quick. What, uh, sorry, yeah, back for josh. Uh, yeah. what, what, what was the specific case so people don't have to go back to the other episode if they don't want to what case did you guys get it's
2: again? the uh the plano case it's, it was mm. like 70 bucks on amazon
0: yeah gotcha okay yeah. Yeah, I, used to, I mean i had an skb josh has that one i had a Pelican case I had a bunch of 200 300 cases that i mean they're amazing they're freaking awesome josh knows that thing is bulletproof um, but i ended up having to get the plano for the model the bow i had because it didn't even fit and then I was like, wow, I'm blown away with this thing. Like, why would I get another one? Um at that price point. So for 70 bucks,
1: hell of a deal. Dang. Yeah. And then uh real quick to clarify on the taping. So uh you guys basically <laughs> tape the fish box to the bow case so that way when you um fly with it, it's just one one um checked baggage, right?
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. And then we uh <laughs> we're lucky enough to have to pay for it as an extra um, bag on the way back.
1: Nice. Yeah. Saves a ton of money there. Oh, a ton of yeah, money. Exactly. Yeah, back. Yeah, Baxter. Sorry, I cut you off though. What were you going to Yeah, ask? no worries. We used to tape, we actually taped
0: both our bows together. So it counted as one bag. So we're doing <laughs> the you know, same thing. Um, I
2: was, I was trying, we heard you say that. And I was trying to convince Sam to, to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's really hard to carry around. Trust me. <laughs> Looks like it's floating like a dead body or something um, Yes, sir. yeah exactly yeah you definitely got an eyebrow raise when you check it in as archery equipment because some airlines let you fly free with archery equipment um, it's pushing the line there uh so what's uh like what are you guys most interested in next like if you're gonna do another hunt like what's on your list is it you know elk hunting is it deer in California is it going back to Hawaii like what are you most fired up about I would
3: love do it? to do uh, elk this year but um both of our vacation
0: mm-hmm. yeah we're
3: pretty much mac- getting close to maxing that out we got other plans this year that's not hunting related so yeah that's going to be tough um but yeah we were trying to decide like should we go elk hunting this year or should we do this hawaii thing and i was like you know what i think we get the most opportunities going through this access deer thing mm-hmm. um just because there's so many of them but um we'll be doing some hunting here in California. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have anything like nailed down as of right now, but we're going to start working on it as soon as we uh finish up, you know, uh vacuum sealing and making sausages with our our deer that we have.
2: <laughs> first things first, you know. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, but we've uh we've been applying um for other states and cool. hopefully next year we'll be able to to go on an elk hunt, I think is, is the goal. And yeah. I, I speaking for myself, I don't know about Sam, but like the archery thing is way more appealing to me. And, and I would really much rather go on like a archery elk hunt than like a rifle, like mule deer hunt or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, just archery, mule deer, archery elk, I think is, is the way I'm, I'm leaning as it so now. Cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm super excited for you guys and we'll definitely be be there to help out when that happens but uh so many good opportunities You know, people yeah you know, i'm now you know living in idaho but um you know a lot of people poo-pooed california but there's some of those mountain you know i'm not too worried about hot spotting this because it's like an 800 square mile area but like the mountain blacktail deer hunting is really cool you know to be able to go up with a bow and go back with a rifle if you want that's a cool one and um yeah just so many so many great opportunities ahead so super excited for you guys and that's i I totally agree. That's a great, like to go get that many at bats in a week long period is that's like learning on steroids. So quite
1: a cool experience. We're in it,
2: We're in it for the long run.
1: Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, Sam, Jake, thank you so much for first reaching out to us and then <laughs> agreeing to come on the, the podcast and ask some questions and reflect on the trip. Um, it's been a blast. It's just we're very grateful that this podcast is actually making a difference for people in a small way. And it was cool to just get to experience that firsthand through your stories. So yeah, thanks for coming on. It was pretty neat.
3: Yeah. Thank you. There's just, just this huge barrier to entry in this sport. And I think it's so cool that you guys are willing to share your experiences and um, tips on this kind of stuff. So thank you. Yeah, of yeah, course. Thank you guys very much.
1: Yeah, no, thanks.
0: Awesome. means the world to us. That's why, we, that's why we're doing it. I think we've said this before, but we're, we're losing money. <laughs> 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 we're definitely not making, doing this for that. So it's really like, it's super rewarding um, for you guys and for other folks to reach out to just to hear from you and say, hey, this is this help analysis. And so um, I think a little bit of what that guy in Hawaii was doing, it's what we're all trying to do here and just, yeah, made, made our week, month, day, whatever you want to say. So um, super glad to have you guys on. Hopefully not
1: the last time we'll uh, be able to help you out with some other hunts too.
2: Appreciate yeah,
3: it. Mom, thank thank you. you.
1: Yeah, And actually well, one more thing uh, besides the fact that Baxter, we need to get affiliate links because like your website has like the most awesome gear list. But uh, one last thing in closing, uh, Jake, Sam, if you have any encouraging words to any new hunters out there who are maybe like a year behind where you guys are now, what advice would you give? Cause clearly you're doing something right.
3: Persistence. Keep at it. Um, I think everyone says that it's so cliche, but like I tell Jake, um, man, even when times get rough, when the demons start coming out, it's been a long day. Just like, just keep going at it and hunt them like they're there. Cause oftentimes I just like give up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I need to stop doing that. And I tell him, I was like, you need to just like, Hey, look, focus on like one more hour. Like, I bet they're here kind of thing.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, just like Baxter said, kind of reiterating what we talked about earlier, but like, just go into it with like the right mindset is what all we've been trying to do. And, and just like respect the animals, respect the people's land, and, um, yeah, just, just do your, do your research, come prepared and don't try and try and like go along for the ride, you know, like don't be looking for the, the easy way out. Um, it's going to take work and, and go into it with that, that mindset. And, you know, we didn't get an animal, but like, I, I would love to do this every year. You know, it was, it was so much fun. Um, Yeah.
1: Dang. That's some great advice and great way to end it. And, um, for those listening, thank you guys so much for listening, um, for this episode. Super cool to have some new hunters on and, uh, we haven't asked for this in a while, but if you like our show, please, uh, leave us a review or something on, uh, whatever platform you're listening to. Um, give us a five-star rating or whatever, and then feel free to reach out to us just like Sam and Jake did. Um, and who knows, maybe you'll end up on the show as well, but uh, hit the contact for us at, at baxterbowman.com, or you can email us at, BaxterHunting at gmail.com. And we will catch you on the next one.